You're listening to Peanut Butter and Jams with hosts Brenda and Jordy on CITR 101.9, exploring local music and local food. Tune in to learn about the best eats and tunes from your neighborhood and a weekly pairing for your date calendar. Warning, the endorsements and criticism expressed during the show are the opinions of the hosts, unless clearly identified as advertising. Put in your earbuds and fire up your taste buds. It's Peanut Butter and Jams. And hello, this is Jordy, and with me as a, usual, I was going to say always, but it's not true. It's not true. Is? Brenda Gruno, yes, co-host. co-host, Peanut Butter and Jams. United, once again. Yes, we, we weren't together last show, and we weren't together the show before that. And we weren't together the show before that. Oh, right, so this, this has been, this is a reunion of sorts. It is. Get um, ready for the fireworks. Except we have seen each other. Like, it's not like a real reunion. Yeah, you're not looking unfamiliar to me. No. Um, what do we have planned for this show, Brenda? It's going to be really good. I think this is a hot, hot, poppin', poppin' show. Hot yeah. poppin' was what I was going for the first time. But Hot poppin' popcorn show? Yeah. Yes, so we've got an interview with Vikram Vidge. Yes, one of probably... One probably I'm going to say the most famous chef in Vancouver. Yeah, his restaurant Vidges, which mm-hmm. is just off Granville, beside his other restaurant Rangoli, just got uh, nominated number one restaurant in oh boy Canada at vacay.ca. I don't know what vacay.ca is. Neither did I, so I looked on it. And it's like a vacation entertainment. So maybe not like the highest honor. But still a pretty high honor. Still, you know, they beat yeah. out tons of other restaurants. So whether mm-hmm. you trust the source or not, they were still they number still one. They still hold them very very highly. Exactly. Um, so, yes, an interview with Vidge. Um, and what else we got? We, oh, uh, sorry, Vikram Vidge. Vikram Vidge. Yeah. And I'm going to ask Jordi about his visit to Go Fish. Yes, we will discuss that. Um, we have a guest uh, who... I'm not going to announce the name of because our guest is running late, and in case he doesn't show up, or she, it will be a big surprise. It'll be a big surprise. So hang on to your seats. Yeah, yeah hang on and uh, listen to Japan Droid's new album. Um, well, just one song off of it. <laughs>
The alphabet has only 26 letters. With these 26 magic symbols, however, millions of words are written every day. This month in Discorder. Check out part two of our Summer Festival preview, which indulges you in the folky, the hippie, the eclectic, and the electronic. Discorder sits down with Hot Panda to talk about things like hot sauce, writing food blogs, and the ultimate battle for panda greatness. We also talk with the V Vecker Ensemble, who are the Captain Planet of Vancouver indie music. We talk with Ryan Smith of Green Burrito Records of the value of cassette tapes and experience Sasquatch Music Festival through the eyes of Discorder. Don't forget to check out our regular columns like Filmstrip, where we review the film better than something. Check out our events calendar for all the greatest upcoming shows and our art project focusing on the work of Aaron Moran. You'll find the greatest in both recorded and live music in our under review and real life action sections. All this and more in the July issue of Discorder, that magazine from CITR, on stands now. Hot Panda has a food blog, apparently. And we are thinking we need to have them on our radio show. Well, now we now we know now that we know that we definitely do. It's true. Don't they have hot sauce? Mint Records hot sauce? They don't anymore, but they did. I think there might be a bottle in my office. Really? It's good hot sauce. It is possible. Uh, the Volcano Bloody Volcano hot sauce. Tell us more about about that song that we just listened to. Yeah, well, the first track we listened to was off to Pandroid's new album called Celebration Rock, and the track was Evil Sway. And uh, I just went on a trip to six different cities across Canada and it seemed like every city I went to I would pick up the Entertainment Weekly and Japandroids would be on the cover. Oh, really? Yeah. That's great. In Toronto, in Edmonton, in Montreal. It, they were everywhere and they're, they're good guys and their album's really good and one cool thing about the album is that the first track and the last track both start and end. The, the album starts and ends with fireworks which is kind of neat. Is that from the Celebration of Lights? Yes thought it might have been but i wasn't sure oh from the what from the celebration of lights you know the fireworks that oh recorded they aren't always called the celebration of lights sometimes they're called the celebration of fire and sometimes they're called the symphony of of fire Fire. their name changes but i think they just got branded with a new corporation every every time they get branded with a new corporation they get a new name and there's only three this year and i'm missing all of them anyways so that was Japandroids. Give them a listen, and they are also playing this weekend. At the Biltmore. At the Biltmore, which with uh, the band Previous Tenants. On Saturday. And I think I, it's actually sold out. It is sold out, but... So don't go. Um, maybe if you know someone who's selling a ticket, you could still go. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or you could sneak possible. in. If you're very determined, you can get into almost any show. That's true. You have to just have to wait at the door long enough to find someone who's shelling a ticket. Yeah, I'm sure that if you're determined, you can get it. <clears throat> and the next track, unless Jordy would like to talk about it, was uh, Capital Six. No, you're supposed to ask me about Go Fish now. Oh, but we have to say the second song that we played in the queue. We haven't played a second song yet. We did play a second song. No, we didn't. We After pl- Japan Droids? And then we played a Discorder ad. Oh, yeah. Sorry. 
Brenda. I am. I'm losing. Lost in thought. I'm losing it. Uh, Jordy. So Jordy went to the restaurant. Go fished. Uh, this restaurant is not at the water. No, it's um, the sit-down version of Go Fish, uh, which I don't know if you've ever been to Granville Island, but there is this uh, fish and chip stall, which is fairly close to Granville Island, but not quite on the island. Just a little further west. Yeah, just a little bit further west along the bike route, and it's always got a huge line out the door, because the fish and chips is so good. and So good. They have opened um, a sit-down location. Uh, up on Granville Street, where Bin 942 used to be. Um, Bin 942, the wine bar. That I think it's moved downtown, but that's that's another story. Um, and they, this restaurant is not. I was kind of expecting it to be just like like the exact same menu as the Fish and Chips Shack. But up top with like beer, and so it's licensed. It is licensed. Um, it's got a proper bar with wine and beers and what have you. Um, but the menu is not there. You can get halibut fish and chips, and aside from that, you can't get most. Of, you can't get the taco, the fish tacos that you can get down there, or the the Osterpoiboy sand sandwich or um, they have a variety of sandwiches down there that you can't get up at the top restaurant, but instead you can get a large variety of other types of seafood where they're trying to do it a little bit more... Uh, high-end? High-end, yes. The really? Pri- the price range on the meals were probably, I would say, 15 to 20. Really? Yes. Um, wow. Which I was a little surprised by. Because I thought I was going to get my fish and chips off the dock fix. At Granville and Broadway, without yes, having with, to walk with less down the of a hill. Line. But no. <laughs> but no. If you want that, you should still be heading down the hill. Okay. Um, but uh, it is the food what, that I had there was very good. I had a tasting plate. Um, oysters. There were no oysters on it. I Mussels. Had, there was. Okay. <laughs> tell us. Tell me what you ate, Jordy. I'm getting hungry. There were scallops, um, which had been seared and were served with like a mango uh, salsa. Um, there was also um, prawns, uh, spot prawns, which were served with a uh, saffron aioli and a halibut. Um, I'm not sure exactly what you call it, but it had been like shaped into like a circular thing. It was on top of a salsa verde that had also been shaped. It was, it was unusual looking. And then that was all with... Um, some Navajo flatbread. Um, so kind of plated? Yes, very, like very fancily plated. Really? Um, with, with like drizzled sauces for aesthetic purposes okay. only and stuff like that, when it, which made it a much... Um, I don't know if it's what I wanted, but it was good. Okay, so your expectations were much different. My expect uh, my expectations were very different from what I ended up with. The food, the quality of the food was all quite good. Um, so maybe they should have kept a similar name or brand and changed, actually made a change to the brand. Yes. Like go, 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 see. I don't know. But yeah, it made some sort of change to indicate that it was a, like a, a spin-off. A fancier, yeah. 
but not exactly the same because now everyone's going to expect it to be just like the place they love. Mm-hmm. Which I, I do think that that might have been a slight mistake on their point. And I was there at a time of day when about 6 p.m. when they normally would have been slammed down at the mm-hmm. at the docks. And this place, um, pl- there's plenty of seating. I so walked right in and sat down. If it's fancier, then maybe people would come more around Go 7 later. or 8 mm-hmm. or 9. But if they don't know. Yeah, I think that, well, I guess I didn't know and you didn't know and... Yeah. A lot of I, I think that a lot of people might not have known that. Now at this you point. know. Um but yeah, it was nice. The the food was very good. The service was prompt. Um the atmosphere was basically the same atmosphere of 9 bin 942, which was a wine bar that I think mostly had people on dates. Okay. Or like people like out with just like one old friend that they hadn't seen in a while. Or so something. the decor was nice. The, the decor was nice. But it yes. was more barish. Yes, well, there's a, there's a giant bar right in the middle of the room, okay. too. So. Huh, interesting. And who would you take? So you think it would be an old friend or old a date? Old friend or a date, or um, maybe if um, your parents are in town and they really want to eat some seafood mm-hmm. because they're not from Vancouver, then you might want to take them there instead of, uh, like, Fish House or something like that. Um, the f- seafood was, like, they had a large variety of other types of seafood, too. Um, not just what I mentioned. There was, um, there were, I believe there were oysters and there was other types of fish. There's salmon mm-hmm. and halibut, and um, I'm pretty sure there was cod on the okay. menu, but I'm not 100 percent sure of that. Um, and was it ocean wise? It was all yes. It was all sustainably caught. They said it right on the top of the menu. Um, like they all follow the same best practices as followed down at Go Fish on the docks. Okay. Um, which is, I think, that's part of what you're paying for, but. I think you're also paying because it's more of a fine dining experience. Mm-hmm. And I guess the rent might be a little bit higher there. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Jordy? Mm, no. Is there anything else you'd like to ask? No. I, I would like to ask um, if you were going to go eat seafood in Vancouver, where else would you go to other than go fish? Um, I do like Fish House. Uh, yeah. Which... Uh, it's pretty. It's never let me down. Um, I don't want to get into a huge amount of detail, uh, but I know that I would also go to uh, Cork and Finn, which uh, we reviewed on the show mm-hmm. a few episodes ago. That's in Gastown, right? In Gastown, yeah, it would also be a place that I would consider going. And if you just wanted sushi style uh, seafood, then I would go to maybe Toshi or Shiro or Aki, mm-hmm. um, which are all all have great uh, sushi. To, um, seafood places i always think of the banana leaf as a good place for for seafood even though it's have uh, you been there yeah hmm. but they have a lot of uh great seafood dishes even though it's not a never, seafood restaurant it's a malaysian like, yeah there's a lot of crab and fish and maybe not mussels not those kind of things anyways yeah well i've never thought of getting seafood there i don't i think i've been there and not ordered seafood but next time i'm there i will yeah, give it a try. Okay, well, let's listen to a song now. A song? Which song? The Capital Six song. The song I already introduced. You, the song you so, thought we'd already played. So, Capital Six. Uh, we're going to play the song Playing Dead off their recent album, Pretty Lost. It's off side B, which is also, which is both sides of it. There are two side Bs, and it has similar members as Sun Wizard. Well, here we go.
the creators who brought you Bill Yu Marimi and the Stevens Gallery comes the Zigazig Gallery, a Spice Girls art show. The night will be filled with comical, vulgar, girl-powered, glittery tributes, and we encourage everyone to dress in their best little black dress, Union Jack platforms, track pants, animal print, and pigtails. The Zigazig Gallery will take place at the Fall Tattoo and Art Gallery on July 7th from 7 p.m. till 2 a.m. and is by donation. For more information, check the Zigazig Gallery Facebook event. guest has just 
arrived, and it's Ben, not not Ben Lai, although he's here. He got he got bumped. He was our he was our backup guest, <laughs> and uh, our uh, our real guest is uh, Ben Fussell, who is just standing outside the studio. He uh, from Boogie Monster. And uh, he will be coming in in just a second. Uh, and now. 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 We're waving him in. Hey, Ben. Hello. Let me turn the mic on for you. Oh. Hello. <laughs> and, uh, Do you need headphones or anything? Or I can hear you. I can hear your voice. Just, just talk into the microphone. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're going to go into a, a song just a second so we can kind of uh, uh, fill him in on, on what, on what to do and let, let him catch his breath. Um why don't we listen to this? What did we just listen to, Brenda? We listened to R- uh, Ruffled that, Feathers. Yes. Um, off of their self-titled album. That song was called Ghost Pirates. And uh, we're going to go in and just listen to a Siskiyou song uh, called Twigs and Stones that Brenda picked up for us. She'll tell us about it after the break.
that was Siskiyou. Brenda, tell us about Siskiyou. Uh, yeah, they include members of the Great Lakes Swimmers and Tarek Hussain, who's on CBC Radio 3, is um, featured on one of the songs. Yeah, this is a bit of a ramble. I think they're playing at the uh, Cat Solano Music Festival that we are sponsoring in a couple months. Huh. Oh, is that a couple months? A couple I weeks. Last time it it's, was. It's, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's July that July 21st. Away. There we go. Um, and uh, so we have Ben from Boogie Monster. Hello. Uh, ben, how are you doing? Um, I'm okay. I, I'm actually totally blind right now. Like, not literally totally blind, but dropped my phone and... Uh, you couldn't see it. I couldn't <laughs> see it. <laughs> Oh, oh my god. And now it's ringing. That's a really so let, bad... Let's, let's that's turn, terrible let's turn our uh, radio etiquette. Off. Yeah. Um, we are professionals here. Uh, I'm turning it off. I left mine on in case you needed to I just find directions. I just that I'd be on the radio and now they're calling me. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, no, like I... Uh, today I went like basically like half blind because uh, I have to wear special contacts because... Um, I'm basically, uh, my, I have just bad genetics and like my eyes. I actually had to get a cornea transplant, which you can see if you go to the Boogie Monster Facebook page. It just has my giant eye with stitches in it, and it looks kind of like the eye of Sauron uh, staring <laughs> into your soul. His eye looks pretty normal now. No, it's now. That was like three years ago. And, uh, and so, yeah, the other eye, like I scratched it or something, or like it just, I broke the contact, so I can't see anything. But it's all, other than that, I'm doing great. And uh, a Ben, for those of you who don't know, is uh, the guitarist in Boogie Monster. And also, what, what else do you do, Ben? Uh, I just graduated from Nimbus, mm -hmm. the production program. It's an audio engineering school. So uh, right now, I'm unemployed. And I'm looking so. for mixing work. If anyone, uh, I'll do your stuff for free. But uh, um, yeah, like I actually brought, I don't know if we'll have time to uh, listen, but I did bring mixes that I did for school that no one has heard, like some local bands. Yeah, we can play. And, we can uh, definitely play some of that. Some of my sc sweet school projects, like Found Sounds stuff, it's pretty, pretty gnarly. Some of it. And what did you eat for breakfast? <laughs> uh, what did I eat for breakfast? Oh, uh, like seven granola bars and some potato chips. Wow. Yeah, they're yeah. really good though. The there is really like satisfying and filling. What flavor of potato chip? Jalapeno. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, you said that you were... Wait, wait, wait. Let's go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> you had potato chips for breakfast? Yeah. That's not very healthy. Well, debatable. Is this a usual? <laughs> Is this a usual? No, I or? found them in the cabinet, and I was on my way to work, like, running toward to work, and... Uh, Actually, no, I had some toast. I had some toast with peanut butter, too. I guess that's... that's so then there was, the, like, the chips were, like, a treat. So they were, like, dessert. Savory dessert. Yes. Oh, I just locked my phone. I didn't uh, turn it off. Just give me one sec. Okay. Um, we've got some music here that you've brought. Um, seeing that there's some stuff from Tweedeth. Uh, looks oh, like Tweedeth, that's actually an unreleased Boogie Monster song, which is not even totally finished, can, but can it's we? like, yeah, 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 that's why I wanted to bring it just if anyone oh so it's called Tweedeth it's it actually now it's called Is Dean but it used so to be it's called not, it's not on Tweedeth no 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 there, okay. he wouldn't have anything to do with that's <laughs> 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 yeah as much as I like Chris he would not I don't think he uh, would put it out but um yeah no it used to be called Tweedeth is a tribute to Jesse Turpin who couldn't make it on the show today because uh, he really liked the song when we played it on tour. Uh, and uh, it was like his favorite song, and he helped found Tweedeth and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I just like the name. I felt it 
kind of fit the song because it's really hyper and crazy. But oh, it's but it, now it's called Izzardine. I z z e r d a d e a n, and it, that's just the name of someone we met in LA who was really awesome, and they kind of like made the tour for us. Like it was just going terribly up until that point, and then mm-hmm. they kind of helped turn it around. So it ended up being like a little just thank you to them. But it's not okay. out yet. But yeah, we'd sure, love to play. Let's, it. let's give it a play. Um, and we'll it's be- not totally mastered, so it's not as quite as slammed as most stuff. And it's supposed to be what's supposed to be different about it is it's the first Boogie Monster song with vocals, mm-hmm. but the, the vocals aren't even finished. So you'll hear a little bit like Who's weird. Um, Tony, okay. but you can't even tell. Like the whole thing is like supposed to be like crazy pitch shifted weird stuff, and so you'll kind of hear it, but okay. you might not be able to tell. Let's that, not let's yeah. just let people listen. Let to people it. judge. They'll figure for it themselves. Out. Okay. Thank you. 
And so that was Izzardeen. Yes. Off of the as yet unreleased Boogie Down. Uh, it's not a. Basically, what we're doing now is demoing the second album. This is just going to be its own thing, like its own little just pre. It's not going to be on the second album, but because it, I, I thought it was a little too derivative of our influences to put on it, but I, <laughs> but I really like it. Because, uh, um, like, the second album, like, can be ripping off stuff like crazy, but, like, a bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one is pretty much just still, like, ripping off Lightning Bolt. So uh, we're going to be put it on the second album, um, but it was going to have, voc- like, it is going to have vocals and stuff, so it's kind of going to point to the new direction when it's right. done, sort of, of, like, how... It's gonna sound, which is basically like kind of battles, pitch shifty stuff, and like Dan Deacon, like chipmunk vocals kind of thing. Right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, so now that everyone knows a little bit about uh, what Boogie, Mo- a little bit about what Boogie Monster sounds like from, or at least one song, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Boogie Monster? Sure. Uh, um, like, how did you guys? How did you guys start? How long have you been around? Well, it's always. I mean, uh, like music's always been really important to me. So I started playing guitar. 15, 18, Started looking for a band. Uh, because I, I tried to play with friends, it never really worked. Mm-hmm. So moved to Vancouver when I was 18 for UBC University, and uh, just went on Craigslist looking for people. And one of the first people I met was uh, Sean Elby, who, excuse me, played in Hot Loins, uh, mm-hmm. and he uh, and we jammed, but nothing really came of it. But he introduced me to Raking Bombs, right. which uh, became basketball, and. Uh, and that was a huge thing for me, and that kind of got me into the post-hardcore scene, and that was always what I wanted Boogie Monster to become. Initially, it was like kind of, because I loved At The Drive-In mm-hmm. and that kind of style of music. Actually, that's not true. I really loved At The Drive-In. <laughs> I thought all the, all the other bands were like not as good as them, like in that same scene. Yeah, but yeah. then Raking Bombs really tapped, like Raking Bombs to me, like that album of theirs was like the imaginary album between uh, Via and Relationship of Command. Like it kind of bridged that it felt just like one of my favorite local releases, one of my favorite releases, period. Anyways, uh, so I like, kept looking for people, ended up in a surf rock band uh, called the Triple Doubles, and uh, met Owen Lewis, who was the first drummer, and right. he quit, well, he had to quit after like two shows, so I started looking for Tony, like, well, sorry, I started looking for a drummer. And then you uh, found and, Tony. And found Tony through the SSRIs. He mm-hmm. had auditioned for the SSRIs uh, and didn't get in because uh, they had already kind of picked their friend, uh, right. Tommy, who, uh, and then when he passed away, then Tony filled in. But I'd already seen Tony at shows, like, uh, he was at Eclipse and, like, Japan Droid's show, like, rocking out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, like, I knew of him, but I'd never met him. Mm-hmm. So did you guys play uh, did you guys form for Shindig or did that just happen to be That was one of the first shows but a it similar was similar time. Yeah, like we formed over that summer. So those like Music Waste and um there were a couple like there was a backyard show we played with uh, Nathan Pike called uh, uh I can't remember now. It's, it's embarrassing. Franklin Franklin Fest, Franklin Fest. And then yeah, Shindig was like our fifth or sixth show or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how, got, how did you guys do in Shindig? Terrible. We lost <laughs> so bad. Did you get past uh, the first round? No. <laughs> we lost to the, um, this, uh, gosh, they were a folk band. They were really good. Actually, when I was listening to them, I'm like, oh, man, we're in trouble. They're actually, like... <laughs> <laughs> These guys probably played together yeah, yeah. more than, like, three shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, that was, like, really actually quite a low time in my life because, like, I was already pretty dedicated to the band, and then it was just, like... 
man, we can't even make it past the first round in this. Like, and then, like, and then that was like the same the day after my like longtime girlfriend like dumped me, and then I got fired from my job. So it was just like <laughs> <laughs> it was really like kind of rebuilding myself from that point. And well, like, lots lots of great bands have lost shindig. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Even yeah. Speaking of Japan Dreads, they lost. They made it to the semifinals, but then they lost to Petroleum Byproducts. I thought they lost to. Treacherous Machete. No, Treacherous Machete and Japan Droids both defeated by Petroleum Byproducts. Ah, okay. I forgot. My my Shindig lore is... <laughs> Rusty. Rusty. Do you, did you make it to that show? Or were you in town then? I think that was before I moved here. Uh, and I remember like being super stoked on the Japan Droids said, thinking like, oh, that's a shoe in And then I was, so I went to actually, I was going to wait till after they had won to be like, congratulate Dave. And mm-hmm. be like, congratulations, that was such a great set. But I was like, no, I'll just do it before. And then they lost. And I was like, oh, I feel terrible for them. <laughs> but it ended up working out. So yeah, I think, I think they're doing all right I think, now. yeah, they don't miss Shindig too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but since we had talked a little bit about Japan Droids, um, why don't we play a Japan Droids song? Yeah. You, wanted to, you wanted to hear uh, Wet Hair, wasn't it? We yeah, already, yeah, we already just because you've already played stuff from the second album. Yeah, so Wet played... Hair is one of my favorite songs, period. Like, we actually had to do an assignment at school where we picked our top ten songs, and it, like, it made it on that list. Like, I wasn't even expecting it to, but I was like, man, that's, like, simplicity at its at perfection, like, at its best. Like, I always liked the song, but it's really, like, grown on me, like, lasted a long time. I used to think it was just funny with, like, the making out with French girls thing, yeah. but, like, now it's just something really, like, perfectly capturing, like, that sense of youth something and... simple. Uh, yeah. And, like, longing for girls. So, it's great. Brandon was saying that uh, uh, she had previously disliked Japan droids, thought they were just dude rock, but now she thinks they're really great dude rock. Well, not disliked, just... Oh, not disliked, just indifferent? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, well, because yeah. they were hated on a bit for their first album... I mean, like, in Vancouver, because everyone are haters, but everyone else is pretty stoked. But now the second album, like, everyone loves. It's a great album, and it's fully formed. And, uh, I don't think there were a lot of haters, but maybe we can uh, maybe, maybe I'm we just in, in the most, circles. like, negative scene. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of jealous people. Um, yeah. But they worked always worked hard, so I felt like they really earned their success. Like, what was cool about them is they never tried to be just, like, a hip, like, Vancouver band. They were always pushing outside of that, like, trying to be, uh, like, yeah, like, go outside of Vancouver and it worked out for them so it was great alright well let's listen to Wet Hair off of Post Nothing
Earth is carbon dioxide. I'm pumping it into the atmosphere, boy. Thanks to global warming, the temperature will soon go through the roof, and then we'll have an endless summer. Why do you want an endless summer, Mr. Krabs? So I can open me latest money-making venture, the Krusty Pool. Ooh, the endless summer does sound fun. And profitable. Fun and profitable. Big business does it again. Unfortunately, for those of us who aren't talking sponges, climate change isn't quite as fun. Luckily, there are many easy ways for students to conserve energy. If chargers for cell phones, cameras, and laptops are left plugged in, they continue to draw electricity even when not connected to the device. This phantom load can be avoided by unplugging electronics and chargers after use. A more convenient option is to hook electronics up to a power bar, which can be switched off after use. For more energy saving tips, go to www.bchydro.com. This message brought to you by BC Hydro and CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver. Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Thursday night only, Thunderbird Radio Hell. Hey, Ben. Hey, Jay. How's it going? Um, uh, uh, all right, I guess. I didn't think I would bump into you in the street. No, um, usually on Thursday nights, I'm listening to Thunderbird Radio Hell. So am I. Yeah, usually um, the radio has a show on at um, 9 p.m. to 11. 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., that's right. It's a pretty good show. Is uh, that the show with the live bands? Yeah, it sounds like there's talking between the band and the guy. Yeah, that guy. Interview with bands while they're still alive. I'll check it out. Live from Thunderbird Radio Hell on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver. Yes, Thunderbird Radio Hell will be on later tonight. Um, but right now we have uh, Ben Fussell from Boogie Monster in studio with us. Uh, me and Brenda. Hello. Hello. And uh, we just heard some ads, but before that, we heard some Japan droids. Woo! Uh, woo! Yeah. Um, what is Boogie Monster up to these days, Ben? So, uh, I went to school again for like a year, and the point was to record the second album, but it ended up not really working out that way. It's too much money. So, because um, I didn't want to, like, ghetto do it, like, you know, just do it myself, because I'm so not. So, you don't, don't want to do it, like, in the floor and no, 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 that's cool. But it's still like want to get hire like a proper engineer and all that good stuff, and that costs quite a bit. But uh, and like mix every song like as good as it can be. It just takes a long time. But uh, so we demo or demoing the second album. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm kind of procrastinators, uh, and there aren't the versions that are going to be on the final album. But I thought it sounded good enough where I could at least show what we were up to and kind of give tied things over until the second album actually came out mm-hmm. whenever that may be so you can hear that online if you just type in like Boogie Monster demo EP it'll show up I'm sure and uh, there are four songs and so the goal is to sneak back into Nimbus basically and finish tracking <laughs> the rest of the demos don't tell I have them. a couple friends It's no one from Nimbus listens it's okay <laughs> I have a couple friends who are earlier intakes that can get me back in there so uh, do that use their pro tools as as much as possible in the midi lab and uh, finish things up so that might again take i'm guessing 
till the fall because it's going to be kind of on and off. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Are you guys playing much uh, live? No, not at all. Like again, like the focus is finishing mm-hmm. the demos, then finishing the tweet after like Izzardine song and releasing that basically, and then we'll announce our next show. Cool. Yeah. So in sometime in the fall, maybe. Yes. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Uh, you said that you were at Nimbus. Yeah. How was how was that? For those, actually, let's let's go back a step. Yeah. For those of the pe- people who don't know what Nimbus is, what is Nimbus? Nimbus is an audio engineering school, which basically means you learn to record. Called engineering. We're not real engineers, though. Uh, like the engineers at UBC, we actually know how to do calculus <laughs> and stuff. We basically uh, you are aud- audio engineers. Audio imagineers, I like to call it. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, uh, yeah, basically learn to record music, and then uh, next second semester is production, where you learn more of the artistic side of things in terms of dealing with artist conflicts between within the band, within like between artists and labels, artists and management that kind of thing and also how to like one of our projects is to record a cover every month from that decade only using the technology of that decade so like through the 70s you only use tape that and then the 80s fun. on it's pretty and then it's like four tracks in the 50s eight in the 60s 16 in the 70s and then 80s and on it's pretty much you do whatever but um, what covers did you I did Jackson for? 5 uh, I want you back, which I will say turned out quite well, quite, because mm-hmm. uh, I thought you couldn't actually do that song with it sounding silly and kind of cheesy. But it turned out like this girl singer sounded exactly like a prepubescent Michael Jackson, and <laughs> we got real string players who were great, Kyle Taylor from the Dreadnoughts, yeah. who if we have time for, I would absolutely love to play. They were, uh, they are, they broke up, but they were one of my favorite. Vancouver bands for mm-hmm. sure, because they were like labeled as Celtic punk, but they were definitely like much I thought they executed like they had a lot of world influences and stuff that were really well well done and I thought they were like Gogo Bordello but like way better and charming even though Gogo Bordello is way huger anyways so yeah I got real strings and uh real just like tambourines congas did we actually got the stems uh, sorry, just cut me off when I'm rambling on no, too long. Okay, to do that. Okay. Um, we got the stems from our teacher, which are the individual master tracks. So we got like the piano what? track and the backing vocals on their own, and then like congas and tambourine and all that. So, so we actually listened to everything. And so a stem is like a single yeah tr- track track yeah. with uh, and so we actually listened to each individual stem and uh, and just like copied it like note for note, and mm-hmm. it turned out really well. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so that you only did one cover at this point? or you did- I Each month, a student is given that cover, and they're the producer. So mm-hmm. I was producer of the 70s, different kid for the 60s, different right. for the 80s, that kind of thing. So you, like, pl- participated in the other yeah, ones? Yeah, everyone, like, I helped. I mixed the 60s, and I mixed the 90s, which was Genie in a Bottle, which turned out <laughs> really well, too, actually. Uh, and, um, yeah, I did the 60s, uh, helped, or played guitar, and I think bass on that. Because that's all I can do. I, I can't even play bass. I like play guitar, and I play bass like I play guitar. So uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not a bass player. So I did that for the 60s and 70s, and maybe 80s as well. I can't can't remember at this mm-hmm. point. 
So, so but that, that sounds like it was fun. It was great. Yeah. And that was actually the problem in a way where initially where I was like, man, this is just doesn't even feel like school. It's just too much like too fun and this I don't even know if I'm learning anything and then but then I was like man this is awesome like why am I complaining about getting to do this and it ended up being like we learned a ton um, are we playing Slam Dunk next? We can play some Slam okay, Dunk Okay, because yeah. uh, I wanted to kind of segue into that because, like, I was super paranoid just because of how the curriculum was that I actually wasn't learning anything because it was too, like, enjoyable. And uh, But then I sat in on the Slam Dunk session that they recorded for their new album, which we're going to hear, and so, unreleased. So they recorded so, that at Nimbus? Yeah, no, they recorded it actually at The Hive. And, right. uh And it was just really awesome because I was... I didn't really do much. Like, I was assistant engineer, and so Colin pretty much did everything. Like, I helped set up mm-hmm. microphones and that kind of thing. But he, um, I, I knew, like, everything that he was doing. I'm like, oh, this is great. I actually know what he's doing. And so you actually, even though it's, like, super, it doesn't feel like school, like, you actually do learn quite a bit through just sort of osmosis and being there, and it's good. Oh, okay. So so you saw this, like, these songs being recorded then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for, like, the, they did it in, like, four days, so... So Slam Dunk is a four-piece sound. They're originally from Victoria, but uh, at least some of them have moved to Vancouver since. Um, they, they're, What was their last album called? It was... Sorry? The, oh, The Shivers. The Shivers, yeah. yes. Which had um, such great songs as um, Bleacher Lovin', which yeah. is my favorite one. That's amazing. And um, it, it, they're, they're kind of do like a lot of gang vocals and yeah. like shout, shouting along together and mm-hmm. like really kind of like fast garage yeah. stuff it's and just great songwriters yeah like they are they great have, songwriters they have that because a lot of bands have that garage aesthetic mm-hmm. and but they have like the songwriting skills and they're just so much fun live like they're my favorite band for sure in Vancouver even though they're from Victoria like <laughs> um, I guess like Vancouver slash Victoria because yeah. they're just so charming live if you like fun go see slam dunk they count they they play here often yeah, enough. yeah. And, and at least some of them live here yeah. so this is the this is one of their new songs last schmaltz
This is John M. Bennett, and you are listening to CITRFM 101.9 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Professional. Who who is John M. Bennett? I have no idea. He. Who are you? Are you listening to the show right now? He has done four sound art ads. I think for he showed CITR. up at twenty four hours of radio art. Oh, so he's, he's probably like a kind of avant garde sound arty mm-hmm. guy. He, he's probably a big name in that community. He's probably very famous I sh- to sure. a small number of people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or a little famous to a large number of people. No. I don't think so. I don't think a large number of people. Um, so you you had a story about Slam Dunk. Oh, it's not were, a great... Yeah. yeah, but you had one. Yeah, it, it was just about how... If you listen to the song, it's just awesome, and it sounds like they know what they're doing. Well, they pretty much do, but uh, the lyrics, I found as I was like sitting and watching them, uh, not really hanging out, just sitting and watching, uh, they were, uh, as they were doing their thing, um, they would write about what they were doing in the studio because they didn't have lyrics for all the songs. So, like, if you listen to that song, like, they sing about tea oven beans, and it's because they were, like, drinking tea right before they recorded it, and then were also, like, put beans in the oven. So it was, like, oven beans. And then I there was, like, a lot of inside jokes, like, hear him sing, like, far out, like some dude. And But the way he sings it is awesome. Like, I can't ever do that. And, yeah, they have pretty great uh, and it's um And, oh, and it's, like, I can't stop sliding my van into stuff, and it's because on tour, like, they, like, slid the van into a thing. So, like, everything is just, like, random stuff that's happened to them, even, like, right as they're going in to record. And they, but they pull it off, like, in an awesome way. They so don't come up like, with, like, neatly typed up. Uh, no, there's <laughs> definitely piece. scribbled on pieces of paper. Shocking, yeah. but scribbled. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive Slam Dunk does not type out their lyrics before. Uh, I think the whole world will be rocked by that <laughs> by that fact. Feel the ground shaking. Um, what time is it, Brenda? How much time do we have before we need to play this Vidges interview? Uh, about eight minutes. Eight minutes. Oh, um, well. Go ahead. We need to play an interview still, but di- we've got time for basically. One more song. One more song? Okay, I beg you. Pick, pick a song. And you, you said you had something. Yes, it's a non-local song, but again, it's my mission in life to share this song with the world at least before it becomes a... At least, or yeah, before it gets put in a car commercial, basically. What's the song uh, called? It's called King Coleman's The Boo Boo Song, okay. and it's from the 1950s, and it's one of the most like insane, fun songs I've ever heard. And uh, my story about it is that I was in Montreal for Pop Montreal like three years ago. Heard it at a dance party, which was like one of the most fun nights of my life. Jonathan Tobin, uh, the DJ who uh, spins only soul music, and he played this song, and like everyone lost their m- minds. And uh, and like I heard it, and I was like, oh my gosh, what's the song? I need to know what the song is. So the next day, I saw him, and he's talking to this girl, and I was like, oh, usually I wouldn't interrupt, but I just pulled the girl aside. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, this is important. And she's like, what? And uh, and just walked up to him and asked him what the song was. And he was super cool about it. But uh, I feel bad that I cock-blocked uh, Jonathan Tobin. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, it's, the song is good enough that it well, you, you entitles... You mentioned him on the radio. So yeah, he's sure amazing. That. He's my favorite DJ, and he's so good. And uh, So he like, was, there's a lady 
were, were interested in him, you would heartily recommend it. She go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. he's such a cool guy. He's nice. He's a snappy dresser. Unfortunately, uh, he so I'll be quick. He was actually in a freak accident. He's okay now, from what I understand. But a taxi uh, when he was sleeping in a hotel crashed through the ho- wall of the hotel and pinned him against oh, the God. wall. And he was like in the hospital for a, a month, maybe two months. And people weren't sure if he's going to make it and that kind of thing. But he's, uh, from what I understand, he's okay now. Like, there were lots of tribute shows around the country, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And he's doing all right. But, yeah, this is a tribute, I guess, to him and as well as just the awesomeness of the song. Okay. Uh, so let's put on the Boo Boo song. A hunting we will go. A hunting we will go. We will catch a fox and put him in a box and we'll not let him go. King Coleman, the Boo Boo song. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And uh, but now we have an interview that we we've promised. Um, Brenda did this with uh, Vikram Vidge, 
Um, tell us, do you need to say anything before the interview? Uh, I think it's all in there. Yeah? Yeah, but he's promoting the Indian Summer Festival, so uh, take a look on their website. And uh, Vikram Vidge, uh, the owner of Vidges and, uh, and writer right. of many fine cookbooks. Yes, he has two cookbooks out, and he also does prepackaged curries. Which I haven't had. But yeah, you can apparently neither. buy them all over, and he sells tons of them. Okay. It's well. crazy. And his wife's really involved at the UBC farm. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so there's a little piece in there about UBC. Okay, well, let's let's talk. Let's let's listen to it. Sounds good. You're listening to Brenda Grudo on Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9 FM. And I've got Vikram Vidge on the line. He is the chef owner of Vidge's and Rangoli off Granville Street. And he's here to talk about the Indian Summer Festival. Vikram, can you tell us a bit about the Indian Summer Festival and how you got involved? Um, you know, Indian Summer Festival was started by Sirish and Laura, uh, a couple who believed that Indian music, Indian art, Indian flavors should be brought to North America and people should kind of, you know, experience what Indian food and, and flavors are and musical part of it. So what has happened is that they asked me a while ago and asked me if they, uh, if I would want to be part of that. And I said, yes, I would love to be part of that. But I said, I don't want to be part of that just as a caterer like somebody who just comes and serves the food. I want to showcase that Indian food is part of our culture as well, that our, our spices, our cumin and our cloves and our, are, are as important as uh, a musical note to somebody else. So, you know, they kind of like the idea, and, and we said, yeah, I, I would love to do that. So I'm actually, I was involved last year, and I curated a little um, dinner, and this year again I'm doing the same thing, uh, curating a little dinner, for uh, for uh, 350 people, and they're going to come, and there'll be like Bollywood dancing. There'll be some yoga. There'll be some music, and uh, there is a very famous Indian actress called Sharmila Tagore. She's like the biggest Hollywood actress at one time. She's coming in as well. I'm cooking dinner for her on Saturday night. So tonight is the opening gala. That's correct. At W2, and it's a culinary tour of India. Well, there are three different parts. So one of the restaurants called Saravana Bhavan is producing South Indian style of food. I'm creating my own little bit North Indian style. And Chef Roy from Atiti is preparing food from uh, from West Bengal area. And he's doing Bengali style. So it's a culinary tour in the sense that it's more about diff- three different flavors of India. And showcasing those three different regions of India rather than just doing the same butter chicken and chicken tikka masala, uh, I wanted to showcase the broader range of India, and that's where we are at. Well, it's really neat that you're collaborating with different food producers. Does a lot of that collaboration happen in Vancouver? It doesn't happen a lot. I think I'm the first guy who's ever actually put uh, three or four Indian restaurants together to do a dinner. I've always believed in it. I've just never had the time to do it, but I've always believed that Indian restaurants need to get together and, and create their own style of camaraderie to showcase. If we as Indians don't get together and, and showcase that, look at our cuisine, look what we've done, nobody else will take us seriously. We need to do it together ourselves. So this has never been done before. This is the first time, uh, you know, chefs have gotten together. So I'm looking forward to how it works tonight. I mean, this is going to be an experiment today. Mm-hmm. 
And it's really neat how music and dance are all incorporated as well. It is, because it's an integral part of it. I mean, you know, uh, music is an extremely important part of our culture. So is dance, an extremely part of important part of our culture. So, uh, you know, and, mu- and, and so is food. You know, it's, just, it's funny because most of the times people have just eaten the food because it's just there. Whereas I wanted to showcase that, hey, hold on a second, this is food and this is my passion. And food is such a daily experience. It's so, so food intertwined. Is such a daily experience. You know, I grew up in India where my grandmother fussed about breakfast, then she fussed about lunch, then she fussed about late afternoon snack, then she fussed about dinner. Her whole life, she fussed about food. You know, that's the, the, the funniest part of it is that she would just stress out so much. What was she going to make for lunch? What was she going to make for dinner? I grew up with that because that was her life. Mm-hmm. And it's still a, house, a life of lots of households in India still. A lot of the interviews you've done, people have talked about the fusion work that you do and mixing different influences, but also about this sense of traditional family food and comfort food. What does comfort food mean to you? See, I, I've never, I've never uh, labeled my food as fusion. I've labeled the food as this is who I am. I was born and brought up in India. I uh, studied in Austria. I, I worked under Italian and French chefs and, and, and you know, got or honed my skills under those kind of chefs. Correct? Mm-hmm. So, but I am an Indian born brought up in India, spent the first 20 years of my life, so I'm totally fine with the spices. So the style of cooking that I do is who I am as a human being, which means lived in India, brought up in India, but left and, and studied and worked everything else. So my plates at the restaurant are an extension of who I am. It's not really fusion, it's more how I perceive my own life. It's more global, I would say, mm-hmm. or more modern, I would say, rather than fusion. Do you have any trouble sourcing ingredients for what you need? And is there anything seasonal that you're excited about that's popping into the ground right now? Um, well, there are no ingredients in, in this country that, that you cannot get. I mean, you can get, the, we have the bounty of the ocean, which is totally sustainable. We have great wines that come from the Fraser Valley. Uh, and we have great, um, you know, produce that comes from the Fraser Valley. And we have, you know, Okanagan produces delicious wine. So the three most important things for people, for any city to become a culinary destination, we have those three things. Whether it's in San Francisco, whether it's in Spain, Portugal, anywhere you look at any, any cities that are, you know, food destinations, they are, they are close to the water and they have some form of sustainability aspect of it. So we, as a sourcing and ingredients is concerned, no problems at all. We can buy whatever we want, spices, spices. What I'm really excited about actually are the berries. I'm mm. really looking forward to a really strong blueberry, strawberry season uh, to make last season yogurt drinks out of that. And I think it's, a, it's something that I really do want to uh, do. Nice. I did my own strawberry jam run this past weekend. Oh, good. Yeah. I, your family has connections to UBC. Can you talk a bit about that? Miru, my wife, obviously is, is a big proponent of the UBC farm. I've always been a big proponent of uh, UBC Farm. And um, what we're doing is we're going to be setting up a culinary lab at UBC and it will be called Witch's um, Lab, basically. And uh, we will be teaching 
you know, uh, cooking classes and stuff like that at that lab down the road. So it's not going to happen right away. It's probably happening this fall or maybe, you know, uh, the spring next year. But we are working on that for sure. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, but there's, there's a little like a lab, like a food nutrition lab. And, you know, they'll do all the testing for us and, and trials and errors and stuff like that. Well, when you open, we'll have to walk down for a visit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just to get back to the festival. So, the opening gala is tonight at W2. It is sold out, just to let our listeners know. And then there is one more event that you're involved in that you already mentioned, the Dinner by Starlight, which is on Saturday mm-hmm. with Sharmila Tagore. Uh, it said on the website that uh, the meal is planned as a salute to her family history. Can you talk a bit about that? She came from Bengal and she went to... Um, to uh, Bombay and she did movies and she became really popular and famous and then she married this hugely famous cricketer called Mansoor Ali Khan Patodi. Mansoor Ali Khan was a Nawab. Nawab means a princely guy. So it's like saying it become a lord. So I'm cooking for her and Nawab and these these people were so into food. You know, they, they really thought about what was growing, what was not growing, and they were so focused about it. And one of the dishes that they used to make was the biryani, which is like a um, which is like a, a rice stewed dish and with gold leaf and silver leaf and cashews and saffron. It was very flavorful and very aromatic. And uh, that's one of the dishes that I will be cooking on on Saturday for her. Sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. And the other exciting part about this dinner is that the location is undisclosed? That is correct. The, the location is uh, undisclosed, and so there is no media. This is not about media. This is not about getting as many people there. This is more about showcasing the culture and showcasing the art and showcasing the conversation. Uh, and I'll be actually having a conversation with her on a stage and talking to her about it. Wow, sounds like an amazing event. And when do people find out where it is? Uh, the people who have bought tickets have just been sent an email. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously very incognito, so they've just been sent an email and told where the where the function is. Okay, and there are still tickets available? I doubt it. I doubt <laughs> okay. It. Great. Well, thank you so much. It, My it was pleasure. a pleasure to talk to you. And if anybody wants to see the events that are coming up, uh, IndianSummerFestival.ca. Yeah, and I'll also quickly mention there's another event on Sunday that I'm talking to uh, Mr. Alan Stevens and a um, few other people who have been in the food business, but their style of uh, nourishing each other is coming from. Uh, you know, nature's path, uh, cereals basically, and they have a different angle of it. So there'll be a conversation that'll take place at SFU at between three and five on Sunday. And this is just like a little chat about what food means to all three of us. And that's at WTU? That's also at W2, yes. Okay, is that a free or ticketed event? No, uh, I think it's a free event, I'm pretty sure. Or if it is ticketed, it's like really 10 bucks or something. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Brenda. Yeah, and good luck with everything. Bye-bye. Namaste. Bye-bye. I went out into the darkness. Imaginary cities. Darkness turned to light. 
back from their international tour. This Winnipeg band is known for being exuberant and anthemic at times, moody and soulful at others. Don't miss Imaginary Cities, live at the Waldorf on July 12th. Buy your tickets at LiveNation.com, TicketWeb, or charge by phone at 1-888-222-6608. celebrating 10 years of buying and selling the greatest music ever put to wax. Located at 2016 Commercial Drive and open every day from 11 to 7, Audio Pile is celebrating this milestone with their greatest sale ever. Visit Audio Pile on Saturday, July 21st and Sunday, July 22nd for free vegan cupcakes, as well as 25% off all new music and a huge 50% off all used music. It's been 10 years in the making, so don't miss this event. And visit audiopile.com for more music news and info. And we're back, and uh, Brenda had to leave early to get to a very important meeting of something. Folk festival. Folk festival meeting, which she sits on the board of. And uh, Ben uh, is still here. We're going to say goodbye. Darren's coming up next. How's it going, Darren? Oh, Darren's oh, got something dying. in his throat. He's, he's literally dying. Hopefully, hopefully he'll survive long enough to uh, finish <laughs> his show. Um, on Sarascopic... <laughs> And uh, coming up after that, we've got Thunderbird Radio Hell with Ben Lai and a live band of some sort and Funk My Life at, on at 11. Um, it's just, uh, we don't have a huge amount of time, but we're going to leave with, uh, tell, tell us what we're leaving with. Oh, it's a, a cover we did of MIA Born Free. Um, and we did, we released this like last October, so it's not new, but it's pretty short. So it's, uh, we can fit it to the end All of right, the show. Let's go yeah, right let's into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. I 